The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you have your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 16. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 34. And we're going to find now, as we follow the story of the early church and now Paul and Silas as they're traveling around, uh, they, 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 you know, they are being extremely effective. God is moving. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit. Churches are being planted everywhere. And they always go to the Jewish community first because they have the scriptures, the prophecies. All they need to do is to fill them in on, hey, Jesus of Nazareth, which many of the Jews even around Europe would have heard of if they had not seen He is the Messiah. He died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day, according to the scriptures, he rose from the dead. But now, wherever the church begins to move and whenever God's spirit begins to be poured out, the enemy doesn't like it, so he attacks. So we're going to see two stories tonight of great chaos and great crisis. And I realize that this has been a year of crisis. So the title of the message is Christ is in the chaos. Can you all say that out loud with me? Christ is in the chaos. And there may be some of you here tonight or that are watching or listening and joining in and you've got a crisis of one kind or another in your life. So what what I hope you'll be able to see and to hear tonight is that Christ is in the crisis. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. How many of you tonight believe that our God is so big and so powerful and so great that he literally can take anything and everything and make it good for you who are his child? Can I hear an amen? That's our God. Romans 8.28 is kind of the, the heartbeat of this message. But here's where we go. We're going to look at a a story beginning in Acts 16, beginning in verse 16. And so let me read to you verses 16 through 18. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer. Okay, notice the little word we. So what what this is telling us is the author of the book of Acts is now including himself. In the beginning of the book of Acts, uh, Luke who is the author, the, the, you know, he is the one who wrote the, the book of Acts. Uh, the gospel according to Luke is also the author of the book of Acts. And he says, and then they went here and they did this and they announced that. But just recently, the, the writing has changed and he goes, and then we went here and we did this. So what it tells us is that from pretty much the last half of the book of Acts, Luke who was a physician, is now traveling with and partnering with the apostle Paul. So again, uh, verse 16, now it happened as we went to prayer. They're always talking about prayer. If you're going on a mission, you spend a lot of time in prayer. That a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So this poor girl had this gift of fortune telling and she had masters who were using her as a slave to tell the fortunes of others and they were making a lot of money. 
And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Okay, let's stop here for just a minute and let's start with our first point in our outline tonight. A slave girl is possessed with a spirit of divination. Now, as you can see on my my outline here, my point here is the word python, because while in your English Bibles it says she had the spirit of divination, the Greek word is puthono, and it's where we get our English word python. So literally, what this is saying in the Greek is that this girl was possessed with a spirit, and the spirit is called python. It's a snake. It's a very particular kind of snake. And what it's revealing is this girl was possessed by a demonic spirit, a demonic python-like spirit. So in the Bible, this, this concept of a snake, remember the Garden of Eden? You go all the way back into the beginning when there's only two human beings on the entire planet Earth. And there is a beautiful garden called the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve walked every day in the cool of the evening and God would walk with them and manifest his presence. And then there were two trees, the tree of life. And then there was another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they could eat of any tree and they could eat of the tree of life, but they were forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then a serpent came and began communicating and speaking to Eve, who then spoke to Adam. And then we know that temptation and sin. Hath God really said that you might eat of all the trees, but why does he not let you eat of this tree? God, paraphrasing, is holding out on you. For it is, looks good, it's good to the taste, it's desirable, why can't you have it? There it is. For God knows in the day that you eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and you shall be as gods yourself. And thus Eve took and she ate it, deceived, as the Bible says, by a serpent and for whatever reasons, there is in the you know, animal kingdom, look, the animals are very, very interesting. Uh, when you read about even the angels and these interesting creatures called cherubim that have four faces. One of them, yes, is a face like a man, but not a man. They're angel, cherubic beings, but then the face of an eagle, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, interesting that they're divine, supernatural beings that are right in the presence of God, crying, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. So there, you know, it, something about the original serpent that was possessed, at the very least, by the spirit of Satan himself. And thus, from the very first few paragraphs of the Bible, the serpent becomes an animal that speaks becomes a metaphor, a parable, or if you hear or see anything associated with that snake or that serpent, or now even a python spirit, we know what pythons are. They are, they are twisting, they are squeezing. This is a demonic spirit, and this poor girl had this spirit. Now what's interesting is that in ancient mythology, 
the Greek god Apollo. So if you were Greek, you were raised under the Greek background and education. Even when Rome came along, they conquered Greece, but they didn't really have the, so much of their own culture. They kept the Greek culture and taught the Greek gods to their little Roman children as time went on. And the story was told of the god Apollo, who is said to have slain the great serpent or dragon, Python, and then took his gifts of being able to predict the future. So demons are, you know, they're not on the same level as human beings. They were created before human beings came along. They're at a different level, and they, they have capacities that are apparently beyond our own, plus the fact that they've been around since even before the first man was ever created. And they know a lot. They're extremely intelligent. Um, the Bible talks about the prophet Ezekiel describes really this fallen angel, Lucifer, and he talks about his brilliance, that he was genius, you know, like made in the image of God, the highest ranking angel, a cherubim, which is the highest kind of angel, and then he is called the anointed cherub that covereth. This interesting character called Lucifer was his name, which means the bright one or the luminous one, had authority and was, you know, kind of, and when it says he was the anointed cherub, that Hebrew word anointed, Messiah, that's where we get the word Messiah from, he had tremendous authority. He was so much like God. Until the day that iniquity was found within him, he fell in love with himself. Five times Isaiah records the original sin, I will ascend to the stars of the north. I will be like the most high. I will, I will, I will. In contrast to Jesus, the great and glorious son of God, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, my father, I glory in my father. I go where my father tells me to go. I say what my father tells me to say. We're in unity. We're in community, we're in oneness, we are in echad, we are one. So the, the first sin of the devil is breaking away out of unity into isolation, pride. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like the most high God. So they know a lot and then they can come in these spirits and here is this poor girl that's possessed by a fallen angel and she's able to kind of predict some things. Now, the devil does not know all the future, which God does know everything in the future. But even human beings who are very smart can take a, a mass of information and make a lot of predictions. They can be pretty good. Well, if human beings can do that, how much more? Can the fallen angels be able to make things? Not a, They don't know what God knows, and they don't know exactly the future, but... They can make enough predictions to make you think, whoa, this is supernatural, they're giving me powers. And here these masters found a girl that was possessed, somehow she'd opened up into the occult world and they're now using her because they're, they're filled with people that are wanting to know what does the future hold? If only I had known what was coming, I could have been prepared. If I had known what was gonna happen, with my business, if I had known about what was gonna break out in this particular, if I had known the future, I could have an advantage. It's very powerful. 
And the devil knows that we want to know the future. Hey, let me tell you this. Everything, God loves his children. He wants us to know that we can trust him, that he has the future all beautifully planned out for our benefit and good. And he's told us everything we need to know about what's coming in the future. Can I hear an amen in that? This is enough. Everything we need to know about the future to keep us prepared, to keep us walking and following the shepherd, we have in his word. But here is this poor girl, you know, she's got this fortune telling and and people went to her in the hope that their future would be good. Tell me what's gonna happen in my future, that their lost items would be found and that their mysteries would be solved. And the point here is to see the power of sin. It enslaved this poor girl. So I'm gonna give several warnings tonight because even now, there's so much that is happening and changing so fast and there's so many things that that are on your social media And I'm telling you, it's demonic. There is a python spirit in it. Be careful, the eyes are the window of the soul. Be careful what you see. They're television shows, and it's weird. It's almost like they're they're looking, you know, all of their uh, topics kind of have a biblical theme, you know, godless this and sin that and explore whatever and mediums and the da-da-da. And it's, it's all demonic. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what your eyes see because these can be windows into which demonic things can happen. To bind a person. So the devil is always trying to deceive people and to get into divination, fortune telling, witchcraft, sorcery, and astrology. Look at me at Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 10 through 12, and let's read this out loud together. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. The python spirit, demonic spirits, twisting spirits. And if you allow a window in your mind or in your heart or in your imaginations, here's what will happen. They'll start twisting your mind they'll start squeezing you from the inside. They will make you unsettled and unsure and anxious and then fearful. And then finally, they close the deal with darkness and depression. They tempt you and they entice you. They pull you in with a promise of inside information, inside help, inside intrigue, mysteries. And once they have you wrapped up, they turn on you and they laugh at you. I'll never forget the testimony of one guy, an amazing, mighty man of God who got caught into the whole thing because he, you know, he had a spiritual background and he got into all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden it turned out he was depressed, darkness, you know, suicidal thoughts where they're just going, do it, do it, do it. 
And he cried out to them because he had thought they were his friends. They'd helped him become very popular with many of his. And he cried out to them, help, hey, what are you guys, help me. He cried out to the various spirits that had empowered him and made him such a huge popular individual among his family. And he says, and I will never forget when I cried out to them that I needed their help. They turned at me and the most wicked, they laughed. They laughed. Like, you think we care about you? You're crying out to us, we own you, we use you, you're trapped forever. Until he came and gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ who delivered him from all those spirits. Amen? Now, it's interesting that this girl goes about And look at what she cried. She says, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. I want you to notice that it says the way of salvation. The word, the definite article the is not actually there in the Greek. So what she really said is, hey, follow these men because they are proclaiming a way of salvation, meaning it's one of many ways. That was a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell to deceive people. The devil, if he goes, look, his number one target is born again Christians. So his first thing is to come and tell you, okay, yeah, Christianity, man, that's hard. You got the cross, you're denying yourself all the time. Look, I'll give you a lot more freedoms. You do whatever you want. Look, that's a way of salvation, but there are many other ways. And you can go another way, an easier way. And that's a lie. It's a deception. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Do not be deceived. So that's what she was saying. And there are not many ways. There's only one way. And that way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, look with me in verses 18 through 24 then. As we read on, it says, but Paul, by the way, she did this for many days. And what I want to say here, I'm going to move on to my next point in the outline. Do not open the back door to demonic spirituality, verses 18 through 24. And this she did for many days. So this demon-possessed girl is following them around saying, hey, they show a way of salvation, a way of salvation. It is interesting how, you know how moths are drawn to fire and and then they just die? For some reason, demons are drawn to wherever the spirit of the Lord is too. So there she was, hanging around, and did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I commend you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So this false witness was a barrage and it kept going day after day after day. And even to this day, the demons are relentless. They're following people and trying to corner them and deceive them and lie to them and get them to to let go of following the way of Jesus. Because the way of following Jesus, he said, if you're gonna come after me, you must do what with yourself? Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after him. 
Ironically, that's the way that will liberate you. That is what will literally uh, take away the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you will be born anew in the spirit of the Lord with power and with resurrection glory resting upon you in intimacy and relationship, experiencing divine love, divine joy, divine peace, and divine fruit of the Spirit in fellowship with him. So the enemy comes with that barrage. And finally, Paul was grieved with it. Now, why did he even put up with it that many days? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But when he began to speak, I want you to note all of a sudden one day, I believe, here's what I do believe, what I do know about Paul. From all of his writings in the New Testament, he was praying. He was waiting on the spirit. And Paul, one day when the Lord said, now, I think Paul was praying, Lord, this is a nasty demon. The whole city, she's got a group of people using her, making a lot of money. This is a gigantic demonic stronghold. You do not go lightly into those areas unless you are prayed up. You definitely don't confront demons in your own ability or in your own strength. You gotta be prayed up. You gotta hear the voice of the Lord, follow his leading guide, and I believe that's what happened. And on that day, Paul whipped around and notice he addressed the evil spirit within her because the power she had was not her own. It was an evil spirit And it was the evil spirit that was the problem, not the girl. Paul wasn't yelling at the girl. The girl was not the problem. The girl was deceived, just like any of us can be deceived. So he's not at her, but he spoke to that demon and he commanded that spirit, that python spirit, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth, now you must go. And that city had never seen anything like that. The power that had dominated and gripped that girl now flew out, it was gone. And that girl was delivered. And I believe she was, there's nothing like being free from demons and the darkness and the terror and the fear. Oh man, those whom Jesus delivered and set free, they came and they loved him and they followed him and they worshiped him. Praise the Lord. So Paul called on the name of Jesus. You know, there's an interesting story in the Old Testament about uh, the prophet Samuel who had died, the original prophet of God, and Saul. Remember the first king, Saul? Tall, dark, and handsome. The people's choice. Yeah, we want a king. We don't want to follow God because if God is over your country and you want to complain, How do you complain against God? It's kind of difficult, but we want a king. And the reason they wanted a king is so they can blame somebody. It's nice to be able to point, it's his fault. So God said, okay, it grieves me that you don't want me, you want a man, and you don't even want my kind of a king. I'll give you what you want. He's tall, he's handsome, looks like a leader. But in the end, he was a scaredy cat. He was selfish. He had an ego, very, very big, Saul. And he disobeyed the Lord. And and Samuel the prophet had come to him when he was alive, and he said, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you, Saul. He's going to give it to a man after his own heart. And he was speaking of David. Now, it would take years before that would be fully realized. David was just a young man 
anointed, but very, very young. It would take years for that, but that moment it had been ripped out. Now Saul had been disobedient over and over. He was supposed to kill all the Amalekites. He didn't do it. And that, that created problems for Israel for decades, generations. So now God won't speak to Saul. Listen very carefully. He has disobedience. God won't talk to him. No prophets will give him a word from the Lord. Nobody is having dreams or visions. God just cuts Saul off. And Saul's like, I'm going against the Philistines. I need some intel. I need some inside information. What's going to happen when I go against the Philistines? So he disguised himself and he went to a witch called the, the Witch of Endor. Now, I, I want to share this because I want to say that he is not the first among the family of God when you're not walking with the Lord or you're in disobedience, but you still, you believe in the supernatural. You want some inside information. You find yourself wandering over and going places you should not go. You ought not be, but hey, I'm going to try it. How many times a Christian walks into a palm reader, walks into an astrologer, uh, kind of looks at their little chart. Well, I'm just playing around. Listen, don't do that. So here's, here's uh, Saul, and he goes to the witch, and he says, I want you to call up the prophet Samuel. He died, so call him up. Seance, and here's the weird thing. God, who, who Samuel is in paradise, and God intervenes in the seance, because there's no way a seance can call up a saint or a prophet of God, but God intervenes because it's the king of Israel, and so he sends Samuel, and Samuel shows up. And the witch screams. She goes, you lied. You're, you're Saul. You're the king. And he goes, well, you wouldn't have done it if I hadn't done that. And so Samuel says, why have you disturbed me? He goes, because God won't talk to me. He won't give me a dream. He won't give me a vision. And we're going to war with the Philistines. And I don't know what's going to happen. And Samuel said, you know what? God tore the kingdom away from you. You rebelled against him. You weren't obedient to him. And now, look, you're going to a witch. Well, you wanted inside information? Here's the inside information. Tomorrow, you're going to war with the Philistines. And by tomorrow, you'll be with me. You're dead. You're done. So what I want to say is, especially my brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, who already know the spiritual world is real, do not dabble in, you know, do not get into fortune telling, divination, witchcraft, sorcery, astrology, palm reading, seances are an invitation. It's an open door to the demonic realm and it is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous for you. So let's close all those doors and all those windows and let us just stay, Lord, all I wanna be in communion with is you. All I wanna hear from is you. The only one I wanna know about the future from is my Father who is in heaven. Can I hear an amen? amen. Woo, hallelujah. All right, well, let's go back to our story here. And so Paul's greatly annoyed. He commands the spirit to come out and it does. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews, 
Can you hear prejudice there? They're Jews. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. We've heard they're a problem around the world. Anti-Semitism is alive and well around the world. And right now, with all this stuff that's even been happening in Israel, it's just below the surface. And, and you know how sad. Thank God for those who know the Lord and know the Bible and we're to honor them, we're to bless them, we're to pray for them. God's the one that's gonna reveal himself to them. But there is anti-Semitism even in this country and sometimes in cities and places where it not, ought not to be. So anyway, they said they're Jews exceedingly uh, trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. So here now the demons have stirred up the, the government to punish these two men that are, have delivered a girl from demonic possession and they're bringing salvation to this whole new town and they get beaten up, beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They're thrown into the isolation, the bottom, the depths for the worst criminals. And that's where they are thrown in. So they're beaten, they're bleeding, they're in the back, they're at the base. What do Paul and Silas do? What do they do? Look with me in verse 25. A song in the night and the power of praise. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, just stop there for a second. This is incredible. They are, how many of you, after you've been beaten with rods, and then, you know, you, everything you thought was going to happen hasn't, not only can't, they can't plant a church right then, but they've been beaten up, they've been blamed, they've been thrown into the prison, into the back, into the worst dungeon there can possibly be. And then they begin to pray. Now, how, what are they praying really? They're not even praying to get out of jail. They're saying, Lord, thank you that we've been counted worthy to suffer for your name's sake. Thank you that we got to deliver that girl. Thank you that you're on the move here. Thank you, Lord, that now this place, the whole point of the girl possessed and the, the whole town behind it financially, it was, it, it was a whole economic city in Philippi that had a demonic stronghold around it. And what they realized is, yeah, go ahead and beat us, but we just broke the strong man. We just, you know, we opened a door to the gospel where the devil had this place locked down. And now we broke his chains and we set that poor girl free. And now we know that a church is gonna be planted in Philippi, which is one of the most influential cities in the entire European continent, meaning we just got through the door that will lead to a revival all throughout the Roman Empire. We just won, Lord. And the blood and the stripes on our back are the proof we won. You won. They weren't even praying to get us out of here, deliver us or whatever. They're like, Lord, you are worthy. Where they're praising the Lord in the night. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would have been that spiritual at that moment. I mean, I can imagine at some times praying something like this. Hello, God, you remember, I wanted to go to Asia, but you wouldn't let me go. No, you wanted me to come here. Now they beat me up and look at the fine mess I've gotten into. Where are you, God? All of us could pray that in our own way of looking at things. But I love that they saw through the eyes of the Spirit. They saw through the eyes of the Lord and they gave God the glory. And, and what's beautiful is, and this is only God. This is when you know you have been touched by the Spirit of the living God. When you've just been rejected, you have just been beaten. You've been thrown down into a dark hole and you realize this has all been done to me because our mission was successful. We accomplished what the Lord wanted us to do. Let's praise the Lord. And you start a concert at midnight to give God the praise and all the glory. And you basically declare to the heavens and to all the angels, Philippi's going down. The kingdom's on its way. And they're singing and they're celebrating and they're worshiping and they're giving God the glory. But I will say this, you have to look at it from the eyes of the Lord because when midnight comes, only by the Spirit can God give you a song in the night. And I know that all of you, this, is, this will be true of every child of God here tonight. You've probably experienced this in the past. You will experience it in the future. And there may be some of you that even here tonight, this very night, at around midnight, the Spirit of God's gonna come upon you and you're gonna start worshiping the Lord. Because only God can give you a song where your heart is filled with joy when on the outside everything is falling apart. Amen? Read with me Psalm 42, verse eight. Let's read it out loud. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Songs in the night only come from God. Look again with me. Psalm 77, verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. I love that. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> now, we're gonna finish and wrap this story up uh, with verses 26 through 34, and I call this the suddenlies of God. So they had the right spirit at the right moment, at the right time, and look how God responds. So they're singing in the night. Then, verse 26, suddenly, there was a great earthquake and I believe that earthquake was from God, by God, at that exact location, at midnight. God literally broke the place open so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. That's God. That's supernatural because they had the right heart. They were worshiping and singing and giving God the glory, and God responded by sending an earthquake, an, an earthly earthquake, but a supernatural one. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because in those days, 
whatever prisoner escaped, whatever their sentence was, was for you. They had a death sentence on them. So he's like, oh, they're gonna kill me, I'll just do it myself. And here's what's also beautiful. Instead of Paul and Silas you know, thinking, wow, man, we're worshiping the Lord, and then an earthquake came, our chains fell off, the doors are all open. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayer, and, then, and escaping. They don't escape, they don't run out. They have the discernment to say, you know what? <laughs> if God's that much in control, we know what that jailer's about to do. And they called out in the dark, hey, don't hurt yourself. He's like, what? They're like, no, our God just sent an earthquake. Yeah, we're free. And now let us come to you. And all of a sudden they come. And, that, and look what happens to this guy. It says, they could have fled. He drew his sword about to kill himself. Paul called out with a loud voice, do yourself no harm for we are still here. And he then called for a light. He ran in. And what happened? He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. This may have been the very guy that beat them with stripes and rods. And now he's trembling at their feet. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and so they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Oh man, I love this. Because Paul didn't say, hey, you need to repent and forgive. And people go, wow, Paul didn't really preach the whole gospel. Yes, he did. He preached, you need to call in the name of the Lord. Well, how do you know we repented? Because the guy is washing their wounds. To repent means change your mind. I thought these were bad guys. These guys are from God. And he washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. <laughs> he feeds them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with his whole house got saved. Meaning his family is gonna be with the Lord for all of eternity. Meaning Paul and Silas' mission to Philippi was successful. And it also means that the real people who were in prison in Philippi were not Paul and Silas. They were free, which God manifests with the earthquake. The people in prison were that prison guard and that poor girl and the whole city of business people using and abusing some young girl. They were the ones in prison to the devil and his ways. And when Paul and Silas came with the good news of Jesus Christ, it broke the darkness, it opened the doors and the gates. Light came into the darkness. Heaven came to the earth. The kingdom of heaven was manifest on the earth. His whole house was saved. And one day we're gonna have breakfast with that jailer and Paul and Silas. How many wanna be with, that, with, with me on that one? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.